welcome back to another episode of Beautifully Victorious. I'm your host, Shayna, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. We're putting on hold our teachings through the book of James for the next two episodes, and we're going to do some testimonies. First, we're going to do the testimony of how I came to accept Jesus into my life, and then I'm going to share with you the testimony of how this podcast came about. I hope you enjoy what we have put together, and also... Instead of just being on the podcast, we're also releasing a video portion of this. So you can find it in two different locations. I hope you enjoy. But first, let's pray. Father God, I just pray for all the hearts that are listening today, those that have received you and those who do not know you yet. Lord, I pray through my words and this testimony that my friends out there listening, they get to know you and who you are and the mighty God that comes after us when we are in the darkest of places. Lord, I thank you for the protection you have over me and all these listeners. Lord, I pray that a fresh wind comes into their hearts and that change and transformation begins to happen. Lord, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for this opportunity. And I thank you for the people that are along for the ride with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, guys. (laughs) It's Shayna, and I'm your host of the Beautifully Victorious podcast. And I am so excited to share my testimony with you today from where I was to where I am and the journey in between. And today is going to be a very vulnerable day for three reasons. One, because being behind the mic is uncomfortable in itself, but being in front of a camera is way more uncomfortable. Two, some of the things I'm going to share, I've never shared before. And three, A lot of people out there that know me don't really know my story. So they're going to learn a lot about me. And I hope that someone somewhere out there listening gets a little bit of a glimmer of hope and that they're able to accept Jesus in their heart because of the words that I'm about to share with you all. I want to begin back in my early childhood around like age 10. This year was pretty significant. It was the first time that I had been baptized. Um, I had accepted Jesus into my life. I don't really remember much. I remember there was a school bus that came and picked me up from my house that brought me to these fun church classes. Um, I remember getting wearing this like big gown thing to get inside the baptismal and be baptized. I remember accepting Jesus into my life and being asked the questions, do I believe if Jesus is my Lord and Savior? Do I believe that he died for me on the cross? Do I believe that I have forgiveness of sins through him? So I remember all of that. Um, And I very vaguely remember one of like the Sunday school classes. Um, That same year, my mom gave me a Bible that Christmas as a gift, um, which is actually the Bible that I read till this very day. So that was very sweet and sentimental to me. But that year was also very significant because my mom's brother, my uncle Brad, passed away from a speedball. And if you don't know what a speedball is, it is a heroin and cocaine drug overdose. Heroin slows down your system, cocaine speeds up your system. So when they're combined, your your heart just stops. So he passed away from that that year. And I just remember going to his funeral Um, and kneeling over his casket. And my mom at that very young age looked me dead in the eyes when we were kneeling before his casket, um, saying to me, Shayna, don't go down the road of drugs. Because in our family, you don't come back. This This is what happens 
it takes it takes over your life. Now, by the grace of God and you know his hand over your life, because even when you're living in sin, if you are a child of God, his hand is over your life. And you are being protected even when you are making the most stupid decisions. And I was protected from that road. There was always a reminder in the back of my mind that, you know, don't go down that road. It's dark and it can be dangerous. And the life that you've been given as a gift could be taken away at any moment. But I don't remember my Uncle Brad on drugs. I don't, I just remember that fun-loving guy. And there's another story within that story. And if we ever get a chance to sit down and have coffee together, I would love to tell you about my Uncle Brad because the man I remember is not a man that was an addict. He was just my Uncle Brad that I loved so much. But moving on from that, I believe that year was very significant, especially to my walk. Because as I grew up being 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, it was, it was calm. Uh, almost the calm before the storm um, that I had no idea was coming. And your mind is still developing in those young years. Um, so I really didn't know what I was about to walk into. But once I hit 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, those years were what I would consider my dark years that brought me into the pits, that that taught me why I so de desperately needed a savior. So in those dark years, a lot happened to me. Uh, at age 16, I lost my virginity. I started drinking. Um, I started running away from home. Um, I started sneaking out of the house. I was running away from myself. I was running away from anything good. I was coming out of chaos um, and disorder. I was unsure of who I was, who I was becoming. We stopped going to church in those years. Um, some things happened in my mom's personal life that I was just along for the ride with because I was the child in the situation. So I started experimenting in things, whether it be boys, whether it be with marijuana, whether it be with alcohol. By the time I turned 21, I was 100% an alcoholic. My days were filled with figuring out where my keys were, figuring out where my cell phone was, um, making sure my car was at the house. Um, and then right even before I turned 21, the next morning, my first thing was try to find a 21 year old to get me alcohol for that day. Once I was 21, then it was just easy for me to get involved in. I was in the nightclubs. I was at the bars. That's just what my life was about. I, I never thought about God. I never thought about Jesus. I never even understood what the Holy Spirit was. And I just dabbled in the things of the world. I became, became a slave to worldly things, fleshly desires, to things that were not of God, things that were not 
even fulfilling me. They were just there. They were just time consumers. So some of the dark things that I had walked through, some of the dark days um, between the ages of 17 and 21 to when I met Christ on the roadside, I had, I had been date raped a couple of times. Um, so specifically two times I had been date raped. Um, and one time I had been raped. Um, the one time I had been raped was when I was living in California. Boy, testimonies are hard, guys. Um, the one time I had been raped, it was in California. I was hanging out with this group of kids. Um, and there was this one boy who we were supposed to go to somebody's house. And he said he would walk with me there to get me there. Um, I had only been living in California for a couple weeks at this point. So I really didn't know the streets. I didn't know my way around. Um, I didn't. I didn't know much I, and I was so naive and making silly decisions, again, running away from myself and my home and anything that was good for me. So I went with this boy and started going down different streets and different directions and I didn't really, I definitely didn't know where we were going. And then he turned to me and he said, we're not going to this house that we were supposed to go to. Um, you're not even actually invited, but what you're going to do is you're going to have sex with me and then I will show you the way home. If you don't, you're not going to get home tonight. So as the 17 year old girl that I was, I was very scared. So it was easier to just have sex with this boy and be told how to get home. Um, needless to say, the deed was done behind a dumpster. What a way to make you feel like a dumpster. Um, so once the deed was done, all of a sudden a car pulled up. Like they knew right where he was. He got into the car and he said, take a left, that's your way home. And I went home. And I just went back to my life. I never told anybody. Um, a lot of other things occurred right after that. I ended up moving to Las Vegas. You're sending a troubled youth to Sin City. So that just was, I moved to Las Vegas to live with my aunt at that point in time. And you're sending a troubled youth to go live in Sin City, which only makes you a little bit more troubled than you were. That lasted about maybe two months, then ended up back in California. Uh, ended up in a um, uh, psych evaluation center. Um, because of things between my mom and my aunt and uh, that didn't help the situation. Um, then for six months later to be moved back to Connecticut. Um, at that point, I dropped out of high school. I got a job, I started working. Um, praise Jesus, a year later, I got my um, high school diploma on my own and it was really good. And then I had about like three years of calm once back in the state of Connecticut and then things got rough. I had a boyfriend that cheated on me multiple times. Uh, we broke up multiple times, got back together multiple times. There was restraining orders. Um, there was a night my car got busted up by him slash tires. I mean, guys, when I tell you I was involved in so many things I shouldn't have been involved in, I was. 
I wasn't this person. I was just living in chaos. I was living in fear. I was living in bondage, in chains, in brokenness, in despair. And then this person that I was supposedly in love with, that supposedly loved me, was cheating on me. And then everybody's wondering why I'm losing my mind. It, and I don't blame anyone. I don't, I don't blame myself. I don't blame him. But what really ended that relationship was he date raped me and he raped my best friend in the same evening. And of course we were drunk. So for the longest time, and this is one that I've never even spoken aloud, but for the longest time, I blamed myself. I blamed myself for, for putting my best friend in harm's way. I blamed myself for putting myself in that position when there was already restraining orders against us. There was already chaos and yet I kept going back. Um, but after that event, I was finally able to let go and move on and I moved home and I laid on my mom's couch for two weeks. And she finally said to me, she said, if you don't get off this couch, I'm going to call the authorities and tell them this is not my daughter and you need a mental evaluation. That instantly brought me back to being 17 years old. And at this point I was 21. So that brought me back to being 17 years old when I had had that 24 hour evaluation in a hospital in an institution in California. And I, I woke, I woke, I woke from this depression. I awoke from this slumber. But see, I didn't awaken to Christ. I didn't awaken to the things of God. I just got up off the couch. And instead of being depressed on the couch, I was depressed in a bottle. I just started hanging out with all the wrong people once again. Um, I started partying in the nightclubs. I started partying in the bars because I was 21 and what else was I gonna do? I was gonna live it up and I was going to have fun. So what I thought was fun, but it really wasn't fun. It was just a distraction. So I was hanging around with all the wrong people, all the wrong crowds. I was partying in the clubs, at the bars. You know, I, I just couldn't get it together. There, at this time, I also had a wisdom tooth and an impacted molar removed and I had to be sedated for that. And um, because of the impacted molar, they gave me Vicodins for afterwards. Now, I, I was never one because of my Uncle Brad's death to go down the drug route. Needless to say, every drug that I could ever imagine was offered to me because those are the people I hung around with. But my drug of choice was alcohol and marijuana. So when these Vicodins were given to me, I was taking them as prescribed, but I also had a friend who at that point in time, uh, opioids were getting really, really big. Um, the Oxycontins were what all my friends were into at this point in time. Um, so they were constantly using these oxys around me, always offering them to me. Cocaine was offered to me, heroin was offered to me, ecstasy was offered to me, acid was offered to me, all of it. But I never indulged. It just, my Uncle Brad's death was always in the back of my mind. It was always one of the first things I thought about when I was around these people. And almost silently praying for them that they would be all right because I knew how that road ended for some. 
So when I got these Vicodins, I was taking them and you know, I was feeling kind of funny because at the same time I was drinking with them and I was also smoking marijuana with them. Um, and then one night I was at, again, a friend's house. He suggested to me, Shayna, you've been taking these Vicodins. If you wanna get the high quicker, why don't you just crush it up and sniff it? And I was like, well, I've been taking them anyways, so why don't I do that? So I crushed it up that night and it was the first time that I had ever sniffed a pill. And for me, it's, it's big, but in the grander perspective of things, one time is nothing compared to what some people are doing. And I just thank God every day for the grace that this only happened once. Um, but it was what happened on my way home that was the ending point. So needless to say, I had sniffed this pill I was drinking all night long. I was smoking all night long. And this wasn't a man that cared about me or cared about my well-being or really even cared about our friendship. He was just somebody to distract myself with, distract myself from the hurting and brokenness inside. So it wasn't a place to stay overnight. It was time to go home. Um, I had charged my phone up before I had left. So I had a fully charged phone and it was probably about one, two o'clock in the morning when I ventured out and left the house. Um, and the road, I got about two and a half miles up the road. Um, and at the end of the road is a stop sign and you can go right or you could go left. And then right in front of you was a rock wall. Um, I was sitting at this stop sign and when I was sitting at this stop sign, um, I just felt really messed up, really drunk, really high. Um, really like I couldn't keep going anymore. That the drive was too long, that something bad would happen, that I just needed to turn around and go back, go back to the house I just came from and stay there for the night because that was the safe option. But the Lord had a different plan that night. Um, so I grabbed my phone from the passenger seat to call this person whose house I was just at. And as soon as I picked up my phone, the phone went black and shut off. So I was like, what? Like, why'd it go off? I just charged it. Like, that doesn't make sense. So here I am, my foot on the brake, sitting at the stop sign with a rock wall in front of me. And I grabbed the phone, turn it over, take the battery out, put the battery back in and um, tried to turn the phone on. The phone wouldn't turn on. So in frustration, I threw it and I'm like, oh! And I heard, go home, Shana. I'm like, what? What? I'm like, what was that? And I'm like, what the heck? And I heard again, go home. Shana. And now at this point, I'm still really high, really drunk. And I'm like, I can't go home. I'm too drunk. And I lifted my hands off the steering wheel. And I also lifted my foot off the brake. When you lift your foot off the brake, your car continues to go. I have a rock wall in front of me. As I lifted my hands off the steering wheel and my foot off the pedal, my car went forward. 
But instead of going into the rock wall, I kid you not, my car took the right-hand turn to go home. As me in my drunken stupor realized that my car is taking the right-hand turn and moving forward, I yelled, oh my God, and I laid my hands on the steering wheel. As soon as my hands touched the steering wheel, I felt a pull from the tip of my head all the way out to the bottom of my toes. And friends, I kid you not, I was instantly sober. As sober as I am, standing right here with you today. Now to some of you, that may seem absurd and crazy, but I'm not lying. Now at this point, I'm sober. And when I laid my hands on the steering wheel, I yelled, oh my God, God, I yelled. Now being there sober, I heard again for a third time, now go home, Shana. So I just want to reference something from scripture real quick. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of God where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. Now friends, I may not be Samuel, I may not be an Old Testament prophet, but I do know on that roadside, I was drunk as, what does the saying go, a skunk? 
I was out of my right mind. And three times I heard, Shana, go home. And it wasn't until after the second time and after I had said, oh my God, and grabbed onto the steering wheel, that my drunkenness went to soberness. And I sat in my car in my complete right mind and heard for the third time the Lord say, now Shana, go home. But you have to understand, I didn't know the voice of the Lord. I had never had an experience like this happen to me. So in that moment, I began to cry out, Uncle Brad, is that you? Uncle Brad, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to do the pill. I didn't mean to sniff it. I didn't, I, I will never do it again. I am so sorry. Are you here with me, Uncle Brad? Did this really just happen? Am I really sober? Needless to say, this conversation was going on as I'm driving towards home because that voice said, Shana, go home. And I was listening now. I got over to the Preston Four Corners. If you're from Connecticut, especially New London County, you may know where this area is. It leads you to Foxwoods, into Jewett City. When I had to take that turn, on the left-hand side was a congregational church. On the right-hand side is a fire department. As I looked to the left-hand side at two, three o'clock in the morning, the light was left on in the church, which lit up the stained glass window of Jesus. And as I looked and I seen Jesus in that stained glass, everything changed in that moment. I began to cry out, Jesus? No, Jesus, did you just talk to me? Did you just tell me to go home? Jesus, I don't, I don't know how this works. I knew you when I was a child. But now here I am as a 21-year-old grown woman acting as a child who has never met you before. And Lord, if this is how you work, if this is how you speak to your people, I am listening, Lord. And you have my attention, Father. But if this is you and this is how you work, I need you to come into my heart. I need you to transform my life. And I need you to teach me. And I need you to guide me. Because I have done some horrible things and I am not worthy of your kingdom. But Lord, if this is the way, I am ready to follow. But I need help. And I just began to repent of the things that I thought were against what God would want from me. And I asked for that forgiveness. And I got home and still not really understanding how the Holy Spirit works or moves. 
I went up into my mother's room and I shook her and I said, mom, mom. I said, uncle Brad drove my car tonight. Uncle Brad drove my car. And she said, she woke up all groggy. She said, Shana, go to bed, you're drunk. And I said, mom, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not drunk, I am not drunk. And there were so many nights I had stumbled into my mother's house that she was just used to me always being drunk. That this one time I had come to her with a truth. She just looked at me like a crazy person. But I had just had this profound encounter I was sober and I was home and I was safe. Three nights later, my mom had a dream. She had a dream that her brother, my uncle Brad, pushed my car. That right there was my confirmation that my Uncle Brad is in heaven waiting for his family. So don't let anybody ever tell you an addict can't make it to heaven because it's not about what happens in the flesh. It's about what happens in the heart, friends. And nobody but my uncle and Jesus know what was happening in his heart. You know, your life doesn't change overnight. I went back to those same friends after this encounter. I went back to doing the same things that I was doing. I never touched a pill ever again, ever again. I made that promise that night in that car. So that was something that instantly fall, fell off of my life. Sometimes things do instantly fall off, no effort at all. But other times we have to work for it. But the thing is, I had this encounter. And if you guys know me, I love to talk. And I just wanted to tell everybody about this encounter. But see, I got prideful and I wanted to spice that story up a little bit. So when I was telling all these friends, I was like, and a cop followed me home. Told them the whole story. I was like, yep, and a cop followed me home and I didn't get pulled over. I, you know, I had to make that story seem more spicy, more believable. How that made it more believable, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, and I was telling everybody about this story. They're like, yeah, okay, Shayna, you were just drunk. You were just messed up. And I'm just like, no, you don't understand. I wasn't. Like, that was the crazy part. Okay, Shayna. So a few weeks go by, maybe even a month. I'm not sure of the time frame. But I was at that same house, drinking the night away, smoking marijuana, you know, messed up. Leave the house, get to that same stop sign. I'm driving home, same path, because that was my path home. And then I get over by that church again. And I get over by that fire station again. And I take that left-hand turn to get up to Jewett City. And I hear that same voice come in and say to me, you want a police officer? Okay, tonight you're not sober. You're not sober. Don't you dare lie about the gifts I have given you. Don't you dare lie about the gifts I have given you. Oh, friends, 
You want to talk about shaking in your boots? I looked in my rear view mirror and coming from the other side, police officer pulls behind me. Now I'm driving, what do they say? White knuckle in it, white knuckle in it. And I'm just like, oh Lord, I told you, I need you to come into my heart. I'm messing things up. Like I'm a liar. Like how dare I lie about what you just did for me to make that story sound right. I'm lying, what? I'm lying about what God just did for me. Are you kidding me? So now I'm driving and I'm driving super slow because I'm not sober, I'm still drunk, I'm still high and I got a cop behind me and I'm just praying and I'm asking for forgiveness again. And finally I got into Jewett City and the police officer went the other way. Grace, friends. Grace in order to teach me a lesson about my disobedience and my lying. I got home that night, went to bed because I was messed up. When I went to bed, woke up the next morning and I went downstairs in my basement. Now, if you know me, as my husband would say, I'm a mini hoarder. So I got boxes of stuff in my mom's basement, still got boxes of stuff in my mom's basement. And I dug out my Bible. This Bible, this Bible that is falling apart. It's the first time that I picked this Bible up and I opened it up to a random page. And that random page was the first page of the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And that day, right there, I began to read God's word. Started in Ruth, went all the way to the book of Revelation, and then after Revelation, read Genesis up to the book of Ruth. Um, not sure how long it took me. I know there was a lot of me arguing with the Holy Spirit, telling him, I don't understand your word. I don't get it. Um, but I started the journey. First, I went back to the Catholic church that didn't last long. Then I went to that congregational church that I had passed. I stayed there for a little while. Then an Episcopalian church that stayed there for a little while. Went on um, a missions trip overseas to Quito, Ecuador. Um, and I started this journey. I mean, I was still doing things that I wasn't supposed to, still living in the world, still, it was like I had one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible. And I was just being tugged and I kind of just went with the storm, letting the boat rock. Um, and I just had the Lord guide me from there. And slowly things just started to fall off my life. And this foot that was in the world started coming over here and I began becoming this new creation at 24 years old I recommitted my life to Christ um, but a wonderful pastor actually two wonderful pastors baptized me that day I got baptized with two friends that are still friends with me to this day um, I had some witnesses on the shoreline three people that mean so much to me and some of those People aren't in my life right now, um, but God has them on a journey. One of them 
is in my life and I love her dearly. And I believe the Lord is after her heart too, even if she doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> um, but I can tell you something. I had said I had been date raped twice and raped once. I had only talked about one rape and one date rape. In the time that I was waiting until marriage, in the time that I had yet to have met my future husband, but I had made a one-year commitment to the Lord that I would be celibate. I had a drunken night. You know, we all fall short sometimes. And in that drunken night, I ran into an old flame. And I went home with him because I was drunk and I couldn't get home. Thinking I was seeking shelter, thinking I was in a safe spot. As I was drunkenly falling asleep, he was inappropriately touching me. He was trying to do things to me that he shouldn't have been doing. And I literally launched out of bed and started throwing up. Grace. Grace, friends. Because as soon as I was done throwing up, I was sober. I was sober and I was able to go home and get away from yet another abuser. But this was after I was already baptized. This was after I had already accepted Christ. It's still not an easy road. The devil is always after you. Lucifer is always prowling around and when you have a crown on your head that says I am a son of the Lord Jesus Christ I am a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ the king of all kings I am his the enemy is mad and he wants to catch you in that small fall he wants to catch you the minute you are distracted he wants to put a distraction in front of you so you can stumble and you can fall. But you wanna know what? You get back up and you keep going. Because at the end of the day, everything that happens here on earth does not matter when you're in eternity with your heavenly father. Everything that happens here on earth is all just a molding of who you truly are in Christ. And guys, I can't even explain to you the testimonies within the testimonies. The things that through this journey of this beautifully victorious ministry that I can't wait to share with you because every step of our lives is a testimony it says in scripture, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies. Friends, that is powerful. 
our hurts, our failures, everything that happens to us is what points us to Christ, is the reflection of Christ in us, the good and the bad, because the bad is what brings us to Christ for us to say, look, this savior Jesus set this captive free, took all this brokenness, all this hurt, all this pain and renewed us. Friends, I am excited to share in this journey with you. I am excited to share my testimonies with you. And this week at Beautifully Victorious Ministries has been a huge testimony. And I am so glad you guys are along for the ride. And I can't wait to share more, especially the testimony of how my wonderful husband and I were joined together and we waited until marriage to be together and all the miraculous supernatural things that brought us together. But that's going to be saved for another day. But hey, babe, I love you so much. And our testimony as a married couple is going to help so many people. And I hope to one day share it with the world. But for now, guys, I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week and that you have a very Merry Christmas. And I pray that you guys are engulfed with the peace that that sweet little baby who was nestled in a manger brings to this hurting and broken world. Hey friends, so I hope you liked today's testimony. I just want to come on here real quick and remind you guys, if you are struggling with anything that was spoken about in today's podcast, I encourage you to seek out Christian counsel, Christian mentorship, and Christian inner healing. The Lord has somebody for you to come alongside of you and help you work through anything that is on your heart, any hurts, any brokenness, and he wants to empty you out of it and fill you with his Holy Spirit. And the best way you can do that is seek out help like I did in order for me to get healing from the things that I have struggled with in my past and the things that I have gone through. But until next time, friends, let's pray and join in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you so much for all those that listened today for all those that heard my story. Lord, I pray that you rise people up that are willing to tell their stories, that are willing to tell their testimonies of how you encapsulated their hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that by their testimonies, others will come to accept you and know you for the God that you are, the King of Kings, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you gave me the boldness today to speak my truth, to speak my story. Lord, I pray that you continue to give me words and testimonies to be able to share with the world. And I pray that you restore the hope of those that have lost theirs. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to Beautifully Victorious. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you can receive updates for new episodes. We'll see you next time. God bless.